All right, guys, welcome to this episode of the Positionless Pod. I'm Kai Gamage. I'm here in a Zoom call, unfortunately. We're still not back in the studio because it's it's reading week and, you know, we need a vacation and we just don't want to see each other, I guess. But I'm here in a Zoom call with the usual boys. I got Diego San Agustin, Aaron Matthew, and Mike Anthony Cruz. How you guys doing, man? I wish we were in the studio. That's yeah, all I can I say. I wish we were in the studio too. Okay. Mike didn't come through, unfortunately. Yeah. Dude, you live 20 minutes away from the school. Why don't you check it? Because that would mean going there and then going back. Exactly. Who has time for that, bro? No, I'm kind of cheese. I was going to go to the gym, but now it's just... Come through. I might still, just, to, just for Mike. So this episode, we're going to be doing part two of our... Um, preseason preview series uh so last episode obviously we talked about the western conference we went over every single team in the western conference gave five minutes to each team uh only gave four and a half minutes to the spurs because they just weren't worth it at this point but uh yeah we're going to be doing the eastern conference today and the next week uh for the first episode next week so the one that we'll be recording monday we'll be going over all of our predictions for the year uh how we expect you know, like like who we, who we expect to win awards, who we expect to win the NBA championship. We'll be talking about all that in our final preview show leading up to the regular season next week. But today, again, we'll be going over the Eastern Conference. Same rules as last time. We thought we'd just get right into it. No no need to waste time. Um, no small talk this episode. No talk about Thai food unless someone had something crazy to say. But it doesn't look like it. <laughs> but yeah. You know what? Let's just let's just get right into it. Um, I have a draft order. I mean, an order of how we're gonna proceed already. Mike is gonna start us off. All right. So, Mike, you ready, man? Starting off with the heat. You're gonna do the heat first. Yeah. All right. Sick. So yeah, I'll let you guys choose whatever team you want. I'm just gonna call out your name. Just choose whichever team you want to talk about first, and then okay. All right. Miami Heat. Mike Cruz coming through with the Heat. All right, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so the Miami Heat, it's year three of the Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo era. And I honestly think this is a team that has topped out. They made the finals in 2020. Then they got the number one seed last year. But after last year, they lost a couple of, pieces in their forward rotation in P.J. Tucker and to an extent Markeith Morris and they pretty much didn't do anything in the offseason to address that and that's their biggest hole to fill this upcoming season. This year we'll finally probably get to see Tyler Hero, how Tyler Hero would fare in a starting role. They gave him that five-year 130 million extension there's really no reports yet on whether he'll get that starting job, but you know that contract alone should be an indication that he'll be a lock for that. In terms of their depth, they pretty much have solid depth on their wing and guard rotations. But as I mentioned, they're really thin up front, like especially at the power forward spot. They have Jimmy Butler starting at power forward, which is not going to cut it against someone like Giannis in the East or maybe even Pascal Siakam. So they're really thin up front. You know, some of us have thrown thrown out the idea of 
starting BAM at the five, uh, I mean, BAM at the four and rolling out your seven at the five. But even then, you know, that it's still, they're, they're, even their center rotation is very thin. So I'm not really sure where I see this team in terms of the standings, but with the way that East has stacked out, there's a real possibility that this team could find themselves in the play-in tournament by the end of the season. So yeah, that, that's how I see the Heat season turning out to be. Yeah, man, the Heat are confusing because it's just like, I think that they're still a talented team. Obviously, they're still stacked. Like, we're talking about Jimmy Butler, who, I mean, he hasn't played 58 regular, like, the last time he's played more than 58 regular season games was back when he was with Philly. So it's kind of been a while since he's really been a solid contributor in the regular season, albeit the Heat still find ways to win. I think that's kind of just what they've done in the past. That's what happens when you have one of the best coaches of all time leading your bench. But, like, unless Bam kind of starts to develop an offensive bag, I agree with you. I think that this team is topped out, right? Like, if Bam doesn't start to work more on that off- offensive end, if he isn't more consistent, like, sure, he's had nights where he can drop, like, 32, 35 points, but he's just not consistent on offense whatsoever. Yeah, he's shown he's shown snippets of it in the preseason. He's been shooting some more threes. Uh, if he can really expand that arsenal of his game, I feel like, you know, the Heat could avoid that play-in tournament. Yeah, I mean, there there's still a lot of other factors in this that, you know, could spell success for, for Miami. You know, they, they always seem to find that one random guy. You know, last year it was Max Truce. Two years before it was Duncan Robinson. So, yeah, I mean, if they, they're able to find that again, that would bode well for their outlook this year. But, see, uh, even if... Bam does have a jump. I don't think it's gonna help that much because that that front court rotation is really thin. Even if he does play the four, which allows your seven to play the five, that backup's gonna be Dwayne Deadman. Their backup four is gonna be Nikola Jovic, who's a rookie. So you want me to throw out a name that they could they could add? <laughs> Jamal Kane, the Marcus Cousins. I don't see why not. Honestly, for yeah, for a team like this that's absolutely lacking, he'd be such a good addition, especially on offense. Yeah, as it stands, I agree. I won't be surprised if they finish in the regular in the play-in, considering how much time their stars spend on the sidelines. Like if Tyler Hero can take the next step, then maybe they can go a little bit further. Sorry. It's gonna have to be Tyler and Bam. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you need you need the younger players to do something. I'm not gonna rely on Kyle Lowry in the regular season. I'm not gonna rely on Jimmy Butler, who only plays freaking fifty-eight games a year in the regular season. All right. Next name on our list. We've got Aaron. Aaron, who are you gonna be presenting for us today? Okay. Uh I'll start with the Sixers. Okay. All right. Go on ever, man. On paper, the Sixers are virtually one of the best teams. They don't have weaknesses. They have an MVP caliber player leading them, who's also a DPOI caliber player. Joel Embiid is that guy. But he's injury prone. So that is why they've they've got these other pieces that complement him so well. They've got Harden, they've got Maxi. They added TJ Tucker, who's the veteran they needed with some championship DNA, not Danny Green. They replaced Danny Green with a solid 3 and D guy in DeAnthony Melton. It was a fleece, I would say, almost, because of how much Melton offers. He was 
one of the best shooters on the Grizzlies last season too. So adding him, Tucker, and also Montrez Harrell is a huge addition because the Sixers need Embiid to coast as much as possible, especially in the regular season. And Harrell is a great regular season player. He's a menace in the paint. He can hustle for rebounds. And he's just 10 times the player DeAndre Jordan was. And he was their backup last season. So that allows Embiid to rest and stay healthy in the in the regular season and go all out in the playoffs, which is where he often starts injured. So that, that hampers the Sixers' playoff campaign. Their weakness is obviously Embiid's health. I think if he goes down, the team goes down. I don't think the rest of the team can coast without Embiid. But he's also one of the most injury-prone stars. So it'll be tough to see how he manages that. And their second weakness is Doc Rivers. There's nobody associated to choking like Doc Rivers is. He's had one ring in his whole career and he celebrated like he's some great coach, which I don't think he is. But if he does win a championship with this team, then maybe you can make a case for him. He's known for messing it up in the playoffs with his rotations and I don't I can never trust Doc Rivers' team in the playoffs. So, I think that those are the storylines as well. Can Embiid and Harden finally win a ring? Can Doc Rivers be a championship-caliber coach? And just for me personally, can Tyrese Maxey be an all-star? No way. No way. You just stole my take, man. No way you're <laughs> going to throw that in at the end there. We're literally on the subway yesterday talking about about the Philadelphia 76ers and I'm like you know what Ty- Tyrese Maxey's an all-star this year there aren't six guards in the east better than him this year bro I love Tyrese Maxey his last preseason game he kind of stunk but before that this guy's been one of the most efficient players throughout the preseason he's dropping 20 points on the regular there was a game where he went well, like what nine for 11 dude's dude's yeah. so good he's so good I, w- um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's an all-star yeah. He, he cooked the Raptors in the playoffs last year. Hey, come on, man. What's the point? <laughs> What's the purpose? Why you got to bring that one up? Valid. He's too fast. That's the thing. Like, he's one of the fastest players in the whole freaking league. And if your primary man defender, like, if, if your primary point of attack defender is flat-footed in any way, shape, or form, if you're not going to match his first step, you're screwed. He's going to get to the basket on you every single freaking time. And now that he's developed like a steady jumper, like in the preseason game so far, other than the game against Charlotte last night where he went two for six, he's gone three for five, three for three, and two for four from deep. That is a three-point shot that has completely improved since his first season in the league. I love Maxi, and I think that he's honestly going to be the second option for the Sixers team. If there's nothing else to add, I'll... I'll harp on to that. I think if Maxi isn't an all-star, I think it'll, it'll be because Harden's going to hold him back. That's that's my only... I don't think Harden's going to hold him back, to be honest. I think Harden, Harden's not going to... I don't think Harden's going to take as many shots as he normally does. I mean, he, we've already shown him kind of take a lesser role in Philly so far, even in the playoffs. Like, yeah, he's, he's not that scorer anymore. We've talked about this on the pod time and time again. Arden's still a great playmaker, and he's shown that he wanted to win. He even took a pay cut. So I think 
this year it's going to be different Harden. I think I think it's championship or bust for the Sixers, man. I think that this is their year. Straight yeah. up, like, first of all, I mean, it's obviously championship or bust for Doc. Like, I'm sorry, this guy's gone if they don't make the, at least the Eastern Conference Finals. He should be gone regardless. He's freaking stinks. Same boat as, like, Mike Budenholzer to me, but, yeah. you know, like, this team is freaking stacked. I love the addition of P.J. Tucker. I love the addition of Trez. Trez has been great throughout the preseason. Um, I love, again, the addition of Melton. I think that this is a much improved team. They got better from last year. And the first, like, when Harden first took the pay cut, it's like the Sixers didn't really do anything. And then you just wait a few more a few more weeks, a couple months, and bam, they're just, they're just that much better. They made the right moves. All right. We'll move on to the next team. I'm up. I'll talk about the Celtics. Um, I hate the Celtics. I can't stand this team, but but boy, are they good? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're so good. They're so I good. I don't care who's behind their bench, man. I really don't like Joe Mazzula, Whatever, I don't care who that is. I don't care what he's done. The scheme is in place, and look, Joe Mazzula's been around this team. He's been with the Celtics organization for a while now. He's he's worked under Brad Stevens. He's worked under Ime Udoka. I don't think it matters. I think that whatever scheme that has been installed is still going to be installed and the players that can put it to work are still there, right? This team didn't lose anyone this offseason unless you're considering Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith serious contributors on this team. Who cares? Bro, all they've done is got better. Let's not act like this team got noticeably worse in, in, in any way, shape, or form other than maybe the coach. But again, the scheme is still in place. We're still looking at Tatum, who has the potential to be a top five player in the NBA, still in his prime. Jalen Brown, who has the potential to be a top 20 player in the NBA, still in his prime. Marcus Smart, who has the potential to be a top five perimeter defender, point of attack defender, still in his prime. Time Lord, as long as he's not injured, is still in his prime. This guy's a great interior presence, and I think he's the key cog to their defensive scheme. Every single one of these pieces is still there. So, like, what do I worry about? Al Horford showed last year in the playoffs that he can still play. He can still shoot the three. He can still be an incredibly impactful defender as a freaking, like, 35, 36-year-old. It doesn't matter. This team is still as strong as they were last year, if not stronger. My one thing, though, is that I think that the East got stronger, too. Uh, I think that this team had their window last year and i think the windows close quickly and when we don't really realize it and i know that i spent this entire two minutes kind of hyping up the boston celtics saying that you know what they haven't gotten better sorry they haven't gotten worse but i also don't think that they've really gotten better i just think that they've kind of stayed stable they've stayed one of the strongest teams in the east but the east is stronger than it was last year i think they might have peaked maybe too early and they didn't take advantage of when the window was open last year yeah i agree with you saying the east got stronger because we just talked about the sixers getting better the heat might have fallen off but like the sixers got better the the yeah. nets are better with simmons now and the bucks still have Giannis in his prime and don't forget you can never that. rule out that guy so yes the this east is getting like top heavy but i do think the celtics still have better depth than most of those teams so i think that's that's probably where 
they can edge out the other teams. If they had Gallinari, I'd be more comfortable saying this if he For wasn't sure. injured. But I still think adding a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who's such a solid guy on both ends, him coming off the bench is is a luxury. I don't know how many teams have a guy like him coming off the bench. I don't think anyone, at, at least in the East. Yeah, and Brogdon is so good for their scheme, right? Like, this is a team that was very reliant on switchability and versatility on the defensive end. And Brogdon only brings more of that. This guy can very reasonably defend one through one through three, maybe one through four. Not to the level of Marcus Smart, but still a very strong level. He works incredibly well on both ends. Um, I think he's a great fit for the Celtics. And yeah, like to have him coming off the bench is freaking solid, man. It's really clean. Um, the only issue, obviously, is with injuries. And when you have him and Robert Williams, who I think are two, again, cogs of their defense, being injury-prone players, like Robert Williams is already out right now. That will be a big factor this season. I think that injuries will still be a huge concern for the Celtics this year. You could say that about a lot of teams. But, I mean, last year, the Celtics were already arguably the best team in the East. And they got even better. So, honestly, they're still probably the best team in the East, them or the Bucks. And, again, you talk, we talked about the Malcolm Brogdon fit in the Celtics. It's, it's perfect. It's ideal. Like, you really can't find a player like Malcolm Brogdon to come off the bench for you like that. It's, it just makes them that much better. Yeah, and I feel like this team is a lot more proven than, say, like the Sixers. Because you see the Sixers, they're, they're bouncing out like the second round every single year. This team has made the Eastern Conference Finals in what, four of the last five years? Yeah. So, yeah, sure, sure, they haven't won a championship yet, but they know what it takes to get to that level. And I feel like, you know, that that's their edge over most of the teams in the East. Yeah, like they've what they've constantly made it there, right? They just haven't actually won the big dance. And um that's with like a team that back in 2018, like this team was still young. It was the baby Jays. Obviously, I think like if I think we're both we're all kind of expecting a, a step from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, right? Like these are two players that are still young, that are still in their primes, and there could be another level to their games. Uh the hope is that like they take them. I think if they don't take them, though, I don't think that they're – if if Jalen Brown hasn't worked on his dribbling over the offseason, then they're not going anywhere. It looks like he has. Yeah, know? here's the hoping, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, Diego, you're up, man. Okay, so I'm going to do a team that we've been talking about for a while, a team that we're super excited about, um, Cleveland Cavaliers. So this is, this is another team that got better. The Cavs are back with the best roster they've had since the LeBron James eras. Like, this is such an incredible team on paper, and it's good enough to go toe-to-toe against the best teams in the NBA. Last season, they exceeded all expectations and surprised the league as one of the best up-and-coming young teams, you know, just rushing to get better and better. But despite having an injury-riddled season, the Cavs still finished with 44 wins. That's literally double the amount compared to 2020 to 21 season. Their chemistry was on point. Their defense was polished. They were fifth in defensive rating last year. You know, the young guys, uh, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Isaac Coro showed so much promise. 
and their veteran leadership, especially from a former champion in Cleveland, you know, Kevin Love was present. All the guys I named are still there. I mean, of course, you look at the notable losses they had in the offseason, which are Colin Sexton and Laurie Markinen, but y'all know who they got in return. They got Donovan freaking Mitchell, a three-time All-Star who has already solidified himself as an elite offensive player who can contribute to a winning team. He's a perfect fit with the roster in Cleveland. Since last year, they didn't have a guy who could get a bucket at any given moment like Mitchell can. And in addition to that, having a great set of defensive players and a team with an actual defensive identity, Mitchell can also give a lot more effort on that side of the ball. And again, you have future young stars in that core who are just going to get better and better. Mobley is a future all-star and defensive player of the year. Garland became an all-star in his third season and it's going to be in a hell of a lot more. Jared Allen just got named to an all-star for the first time as well. Uh, overall, this trade for Spida is a huge winning move for Cleveland. And their fans should honestly be excited for what's to come within the next few years. This team is legit, it's scary, and it's going to make a lot of noise in an already loaded Eastern Conference. Yeah, I, I'm so excited. I think they are the most exciting team, not just in the East, but in the whole league now, after they acquired Spider. And even though they haven't won as many preseason games, they just look so much better. Yo, Donovan has looked so good. He, he looks like he's been playing there for a while now. And they, unreal. It's they unreal. look so good without Evan Mobley even playing. So, once he's back, yeah. they're going to be so much better defensively as well. And, yeah, it's just going to be a lot, lot of fun to watch both Garland and Spider work together. Like They're two of the most fun guards to watch in the league. And both of them could be all-stars too. This is a match made in heaven, man. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, I think we all kind of took away from the Cavs last season that all they needed was a score, right? Someone who could reliably get the ball into the bucket, which is obviously one of the most important skills in basketball. And they got one of the best guys in the league. This is the team with the best young core in the NBA. I'm sorry, Detroit Pistons. I'm sorry, Orlando Magic. Sorry, Oklahoma City Thunder. This is the best young core in the league. They have Jared Allen, who was being considered for Defensive Player of the Year last year, who was voted an all-star because of his defensive prowess, right? We have Evan Mobley, who so many people all over NBA media, media are already considering potentially a Defensive Player of the Year, maybe this year, most likely next year, right? Yeah. We're talking about Darius Garland, who completely took another step last year and honestly should have gotten most improved dude was an absolute freak i don't care that how good jaw was darius garland should have gotten most improved last year we got freaking isaac okoro who is one of the best man defenders in the league like this team is stupidly stacked if they don't make noise in the eastern conference i think it'll be a disappointment yeah but hey i think they will it's just such a good fit man at the end of the day like it's just such a perfect fit I love their defensive front court. I think that it just shores up all the holes that kind of come with having two non-defenders in the backcourt. Yeah, I I don't see any real qualms with this team. Like, we've seen it already gel throughout the preseason. Donovan Mitchell, like you guys have said, has just looked familiar with the team already. How you know it's a perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah. And 
we talked about this stacked starting five. We didn't even mention they have Karis Levert off the bench. We have they have Kevin Love off the bench. He's yeah. injured right now, but they have a guy like Ricky Rubio off the bench. How many teams have that good off a bench unit? They got Diego's Turkish delight, Shetty Osman off yeah, the bench. Yeah, Osman, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. No, I, I love I love Levert off the bench. I think that putting him in a role where he doesn't actually have to do it as much is so nice. It's just, yeah. I don't I don't I don't want him to handle the ball and chuck um as a starter. You know, I just want him to play a role, be a good solid spark plug shooter and score off the bench and he's freaking great. He's 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 going to be on my fantasy team. This is another team I'm hoping Boogie could p- potentially join because I do not want to see Robin Lopez off the bench. <laughs> what? Boogie shot god? I'm I'm sick. I'm sick. No. Rolo. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and then when we're back, uh, we're gonna get into some more Eastern Conference teams. See you guys on the other side. All right, guys, and we are back. Okay, still got eleven teams to go through. So much content. Uh, next up on the docket, we've got Mike back on. What you got to say, man? So I'm gonna talk about the Bucks. All right, all right, let's get it. Okay, so the Milwaukee Bucks. I see them as at least a top two team in the East. Arguably, still the best because they have the best player in the world, Giannis Antetokounmpo. That automatically, you know, gets them in that top tier in the conference. There's obviously still concern about Chris Middleton. He has a torn ligament in his left wrist and is questionable for the start of the season but I don't think it's too concerning since it isn't the injury that forced him out of the playoffs last year Uh, as we saw it played quite a big role in them losing to the Celtics in the second round so in terms of their outlook this season I still I feel like they'll still win a lot of games but I don't think they'll go that hard in the regular season there's a team that you know doesn't really see the regular season as you know something that they should focus on. Their focus is going to be going to be in the playoffs. They honestly just need their big three to be healthy for the playoffs. What they also have going for them is their continuity. They have at least eight players on their roster who have been on this team for at least three years now. And I think that's one of the more underrated parts of the NBA, winning in the NBA. The thing is, I'm not also too sure about their depth. They have a few old heads on the rotation that may end up washed this year. Like George Hill, you got Brooke Lopez, you got Wes Matthews. So we don't know if they'll still be as you know solid contributors as they were in the past. But they do have some young up-and-comers that could end up you know, taking those roles. Javon Carter, he had a good game for them yesterday. Uh, and he could finally end up, you know, breaking into a rotation player he's a good three and d guy you know if if he just finds that confidence I feel, I feel like he could you know end up playing good guard minutes for them another guy that could potentially break into the rotation is the rookie marjon beauchamp i feel like he's an nba ready guard already he could potentially break into the rotation for them this year so yeah the bucks they'll, they'll still be a top they're going to be a top two team in the league, in the in the East, 
because simply solely because of they have Giannis. But yeah, in terms of their regular season, I don't think they're outright gunning for like a sixty win season or the top of top of the standings. But yeah, they'll still have a strong year and they'll still be considered one of the best teams in the East. All right, which team is worse? The Bucks or the Hornets? Both 0-5 in the preseason. The Bucks, honestly. Yeah, they stink, bro. What the hell are we talking about here? Top two to what? Get one Banyama? They should get one Banyama, man. They'll have two freaks over there. Yeah, they should, bro. Unserious team losing to the Nets like that. 107-97 last year. Giannis got locked up by Ben Simmons. <laughs> no, man. The Bucks are insane. Come on, bro. This is a championship team if Chris Middleton was healthy. It's not even a question. And again, the Celtics and the Bucks are still the best teams in the East. Yeah, I, I think I think their depth is actually underrated because I know they have bums like George Hill on the team, but I don't think he's going to play. He's I think J- Javon Carter's locked up the backup point guard position, not just because of how decent he is, but also because of how washed Hill is. They've also got Marjan Beauchamp, like you mentioned, and I think he can take up the minutes that Wes Matthews was potentially going to play. They already have Grayson Allen and Pat Connerton, so it's not like he's going to be asked to do much. I think one concern for them would be if Brooke Lopez can stay healthy now. He does. like From what I read, he looks in great shape to start the season. He only played 13 regular season games last year, and that definitely hurt their defense. They went from number one in the league to 13th because he was out. I think having him will definitely get their defense back to top tier. So, yeah, if if they have a healthy team, they are the best team. Yeah, I think more importantly, an underrated aspect of this Bucks team is just how long every single one of these players' names are. Um, it's honestly insane. I wish I wish DiVincenzo was still with this squad because they could put out a lineup there of uh, Lindell Wigington, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, or Pat Connaughton. You know, Marjan Beauchamp, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Thanasis Antetokounmpo, Sandru Mamukelashvili. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Pick in those names, bro. That's crazy. That's a that's a commentator's worst nightmare. But no, seriously, the Bucks are the Bucks are nasty, man. Um, like it's it's so impossible to count them out. As again, just because they have freaking Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm the number one Chris Middleton hater. Uh, on planet earth but actually but but that guy he's so good man come on bro that's a 50 40 he's so efficient he's so he's so efficient he's so good on defense like i'm just hating because it's i i need to i need i need something to hate on that bucks team because Giannis is is the victim of cairo that's yeah Giannis is too lovable bro i i gotta i need something to put my hate into and then drew holiday is such an underrated guard he's way better he's he's the defensive player of the year over over marcus smart in my book if we we had to give it to a point of attack defender it's it's drew holiday every single day of the week yeah and chris middleton he's got he's got prime jordan in him right yeah bro once every five games I think and, Smart yeah. won it because nobody really expected Smart to defend at that level as he did last year. Yeah, Drew, we already, we've already known who Drew was his whole career. Yeah, I I feel with Smart, it just it kind of just became like a team defense award, right? Just because of how good the Celtics as a whole were defensively, yeah. you just give it to Smart in an instant like instance like that. But Drew Holiday has consistently been one of the most impactful point of attack defenders, especially from the guard position. 
uh, his entire career. All right, next up, we've got Aaron. Aaron, buddy, what team are you talking about, man? Okay, I'm going to talk about the team that beat the Bucks last night, the Brooklyn Nets. I think after last season's disappointing playoff exit, I think this year they look primed to do much, much better. They have the best, two of the best offensive weapons in the game in KD and Kyrie. They have some of the best shooters in the game in Seth Curry, Joe Harris, and some other guys. They have all of this combined with a DPOI level player in Ben Simmons, who, like Diego mentioned, locked up Giannis last night. And they have also put Ben Simmons in the best position possible, where he just needs to defend and facilitate, which are two of his strongest qualities. I think when you make his job easier, I think that should just unlock the potential that he has. It's up to Steve Nash and the coaches to get the best out of him now. The Nets actually sucked after Harden left because they didn't have a true playmaker and KD and Kyrie are far from that. So they add Ben Simmons, who can fill in that gap, create for these guys and obviously they are two of the best shot creators as well. So it's not like they have to keep doing it for the others as well. So I think on paper... This is a recipe for success. Looking at their weaknesses, their biggest weakness is their mindset. I think they have, there is no big three in the league that is as mentally fragile as the Nets big three. Ben Simmons has been babied all his career. Kyrie Irving is one of the biggest egomaniacs in the league. And KD is hardly better. All these guys, especially Ben Simmons, haven't shown much improvement in their game. And like Ben Simmons' unchanged exotic jump shot is a reminder of that. Unless these guys actually play as a team. Okay, if this team fails, I won't say they fail because Steve Nash is a fraud, which he already is. It's because the big three will have failed. I I also kind of really love this Mets, this Nets team. It's It's still confusing. Everything is still up in the air. If Kyrie and KD will actually play properly, um, not be injured, not just sit games out. Uh, ben Simmons, obviously, is still kind of looking shaky. Uh, and yeah, but like, like, obviously, he has improved on defense. That last game against the Bucks was solid. He went 7-8-10 and 10 with two turnovers, which is pretty decent from him. And yeah, like he held, he held Giannis to 6 of 21 from the field. Right. Like that's not a mark that you expect to see from like one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA. So Simmons had a great game all around. Like yeah. he didn't score a lot, obviously, but that's again, that's not his role in the team. That's what we're gonna see all season. We're not gonna see high scoring numbers, but we're gonna see him do a little bit of everything else. Yeah, and that's and that's what they need from him, right? Like when you have as many offensive options as they have right now, I think this is the best team that the Nets have put together with KD and Kyrie, right? Like the, the Harden team, it just wasn't good enough. There wasn't enough depth. With yeah. this squad, like I think the Claxton is starting to come into his own. I really loved Claxton last night against the Bucks. He was defending the rim extremely well, um, holding his own also against the honest. He went 16, 9, and 1, 7 of 8 from the field with three steals and three blocks. This is a legit, he's he's really solid inside. I think that if they don't want to deploy Ben Simmons at the five, which is something that we've discussed on this pod before, I think that Claxton's a very suitable player to play the five, right? I I think that that's perfectly fine. And then Royce O'Neal, I think that he kind of fits a really solid role for this team. 
just as like a spot up shooter on the perimeter and a solid defender on the perimeter as well. And yeah, like I really do just think that this is the best team that the Nets have put together. They also have TJ Warren. As long as he plays. Yeah, basically. But if he plays, he I think he can be a very good contributor. Yeah, but I don't know. Regardless, if you have DJ Warren or not, I think they, they pretty much have solid depth around like their forward rotation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. As constructed, this is should already be one of the top three teams in the East. They look good again. They look good together. They look, they look happy together. Like the vibes are back in Brooklyn. Well, it's that, that not even game one yet. They're, they're leading us on. They're teasing us. But you know, <laughs> it looks it looks good. Yeah. Um, what I've really liked for them over the offseason was that they're not just signing the big name guys that are kind of washed, right? Like there was that point where they were like getting Lamarcus Aldridge, Blank Griffin, who at that point in their career, they had already kind of passed their primes. We understood what they were. They just weren't as good as they were at other points, right? Yeah. What they did this offseason instead is get guys like Markeith Morris, who has been a solid role player throughout his entire career. Uh, obviously, he didn't have the greatest year in Miami last year, but again, he's still a role player, so just like a enforcer, fine. They got Yuta Watanabe, who didn't really do too much in, in Toronto, but again, he fills depth, right? And and he, he, he fills a solid role for this team. Um, they went and got TJ Warren, who was maybe more of a risk, but I think that if he can turn into something, then they're going to succeed with that. They went and got Royce O'Neal, who, again, is just a solid role player. They're not getting these huge name guys. They're just getting guys who fit within the scheme, right? So if they don't succeed this year... They don't need huge name guys. They have huge name guys. They never needed it. So They just wanted to do it year after year just because it's... Yeah, I think then that we're just looking for big names so they can load up their roster after they got Katie and Kyrie, but it obviously didn't work out. I think it, I, I think it's still win or bust this year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. But regardless, they're one of the best teams in the East. Mm-hmm. As long as things actually pan out and people yeah. actually fit into the role that we've kind of designated them into this. And when I say people, I mean Kyrie, Katie, and Ben Simmons. Okay. Yeah. Next team. So I've got the, I've got my team. Ooh, we the North, baby. Let's go. Toronto Raptors. Oh my goodness. All right. Let me let me get this popping. Okay. So I want to start this off by saying that the Raptors aren't contenders. Um, in any way, shape, or form, this East is too loaded. But there is a very simple solution to that problem. Um, he's got a long name. And as we've seen with the Milwaukee Bucks, there is a certain talent with players with just long names for some reason. Uh, just get putting putting commentators through hell. Shea Gilgis Alexander is the uh, solution solution to all of the Raptors' problems. And obviously, I say this in jest just to mess with Diego. But point being, if the Raptors had done what the Cavaliers did this offseason, they would be contenders. This team is still very much a piece away, and unfortunately, it is the most important piece of all, and it is a bucket. Masai needs to look at this team and understand that he has a huge decision that he will have to make at some point soon. And it's the same one that they made during the Lowry-DeRozan era. You need to understand that you've peaked, right? This is this team has, has found its ceiling. Um, star players are only in their prime. I don't really understand how they can see too much more of an improvement 
from Pascal Siakam, from Fred Van Vliet, from OG Ananobi as well. I don't see much more room for improvement for a lot of these guys. So you need to kind of come to terms with the fact that you've hit your ceiling and it's time to make the move that will either that will bring you that championship the same way that you did with DeRozan and Kawhi. Right. And yeah, you know what? I do joke a lot about the Shay about the shy trade, about the uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander trade, but genuinely like that's the move. If they don't make a deal for a scorer like that, the team has hit their ceiling. This is the best version of Pascal. This is the best version of Fred Van Vliet. And if they don't find that offensive piece to completely revitalize the scheme, especially in the half court. I don't see how the offense takes the next step. The defense, on the other hand, I think that that could still hit another level if Scotty develops more IQ on that end, which I fully expect because that's something that's co- that comes with experience. But otherwise, like this team is capped out. This is a like first round exit squad unless they make that deal to push them over to the next level. And it's a simple trade right? It's one piece. That's all they're missing. Just one piece. They just need a score. If they had made that move for Donovan Mitchell, they'd be a contender. Yeah, they could have made that move for Donovan Mitchell or Kevin Durant in offseason. But again, I think both teams would have wanted Scotty in return. So I don't blame the Raptors for not going for that. I mean, why would you want to give away Scotty? He's probably the biggest bright spot on your team. I mean, it's it really it's a it's a crossroads, right? Because yeah. this is the, the surrounding pieces on the Raptors are pieces that would help a superstar contend for a title, right? But if you need to give up the future to do that, it kind of comes into question. It's like, are you going to prioritize now or are you going to prioritize the future? On one hand, you have something that feels a little bit more concrete, right? The potential of winning a championship right now if you went and got like Kevin Durant. On the other hand, it's like you could have something way bigger in the future. You could have more years of contention in the future if you hold on to those future pieces like Scotty Barnes, um, like maybe Precious Achua and like first round picks. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think it's the right decision to not go for those guys in the, in the, at the cost of Scotty Barnes. So, Hey, I'm glad Masai didn't pull the trigger on that. But I don't think, I don't think after seeing what the Cavs paid to get Spider, I don't think the Raptors would necessarily have had to give up Scotty Burns. I think they could have got away with just giving up like maybe Fred. either Fred or Gary and Honestly, just OG, I guess, to match salaries. Like straight that would have been ideal. Give up your first round picks, but again, it makes it makes you think that like maybe it just wasn't I mean the Cavs deal kind of came out of nowhere, right? Like no one expected that to happen. Obviously we're all sure that there were conversations that were brewing between uh Ainge and guys like Masai. That's why you you, you, you want to take like a package of like Fred and Gary or OG over what they got from Cleveland. So at the end of the day, I think they would have still wanted Scotty. I don't know. It's it's confusing with the whole Utah situation. I don't want to like look too much like dwell on a possibility of Donovan Mitchell, which is why I look ahead and I look at Shea instead. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean honestly, if like if I'm being completely honest, Shea would actually be a great fit with the Raptors. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I think he's the best. He's a better like better choice to go after than Donovan Mitchell. Ultimately, yeah. with yeah. what happened in Utah and the fact that he's you know from here. Yeah, too bad. Too bad he's Oklahoma's franchise player though. Yeah, that's crazy, man. 
So you guys are never going to get him. That's, yeah, that's... it sucks. It sucks. It sucks that he's <laughs> over there. But no, I mean, look, I, I think I'm just more in love with the idea of having someone like Shea. This team is just, there's there's no half-court creator. This is a team that relies entirely on transition offense. And if they want to score on the offensive end, they have to look at, like, Fred to potentially create his own shot or Gary Trent Jr. to create his own shot or Pascal Siakam moving weirdly in the post with, like, spin moves. But this team doesn't have a reliable half-court offense. And until you get someone like the idea of Shea Gilgis Alexander or Donovan Mitchell into your franchise, then you won't have that half court offense. You'll stay stagnant in this weird scheme that just doesn't actually make that much sense. There's this short, short creating guard I know who's going to be a free agent next year. Who, Russell Westbrook? No, no. Kyrie Irving. I'm what? Good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Um, we, I'm good. All right, let's move on. I don't want to even, you brought up Russ. I don't even think, I don't even yeah, want to. We actually him. brought, we actually successfully brought up Russ in an Eastern conference. Yeah. And it was my fault. Maybe. I hate it here. Okay. That's all right. Crazy. Diego, you're up, man. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with the ATL, the Atlanta Hawks who added, you know, a new guy to the squad. This team fell short. And disappointed a lot of basketball fans last season by barely making it to the playoffs as the eighth seed and then getting knocked out by Miami in just five games. I mean, of course, their expectations were higher because they made the Eastern Conference Finals in the season prior to that. We even had like iconic moments and celebrations from their franchise player and Trey Young, which turned him into a villain in New York. But anyways, that is Trey Young. He's a franchise player and one of the best offensive talents in the league. Right now, we're looking at Trey's supporting cast, and you can kind of see how this team can count, can bounce back from what happened last season. They did this by picking up DeJounte Murray from the Spurs. This is a pretty interesting fit, to say the least. We'll have to wait and see how it's going to pan out. But one thing we know for sure is that the Hawks absolutely needed someone who can instill a defensive mindset on the team. The Hawks finished with a 116.5 offensive rating last year, which was ranked second in the entire league, only behind Utah. This team is still going to be great offensively with, uh, as long as they have Trey on the team. And you add Murray to the roster, it might make the offense even better. But most importantly, it gives them a strong defensive presence that they've desperately needed for years. The roster also includes notable players, obviously, in John Collins, you know, Clint Capella. Bogdan Bogdanovich and DeAndre Hunter. These are nice, solid pieces. Enough to make them a playoff team. But compared to the best team in the East, it's hard to see them getting far into the playoffs. I honestly feel bad that they traded for DeJounte in a year where the East is so stacked, at least in the top half. Like, it's such an exciting pairing. And even if it was just like a year earlier, it would have been so much different but now i'm finding it difficult to see if they can genuinely make the playoffs because i i can think of eight better teams they still do have some of the best young players on the team with trey young and dejounte and also john collins who is better than russell westbrook but um uh wow no i i don't think they're making it to the playoffs i'm sorry they're probably a play-in team. They might make the playoffs. Like I could see them getting through the play-in. But again, yeah, the East is just too loaded. Um, looking at 
the rest of the pieces around Trey and DeJounte. It's it's just not it's not deep enough. I think that look, this is a team that very much relied on their offense last year. They only really won in shootout fashion, which wasn't necessarily their recipe for success in the year prior when they made the Eastern Conference Finals. In that year, in 2021, yeah, yes, they were still a team that had a solid interior presence in Clint Capella. Now, they still have Clint Capella. He sucks. He has no defensive effort anymore. Genuinely, I think that it's time to utilize Anyeka Okongwu a lot more. I love what Okongwu brings. I think that he's a significantly more threatening interior presence at this point in his career than Clint Capella is. He's also more creative inside, and I think that it it allows a lot more room for Trey to... Like, I know that Clint Capella is great in the pick and roll, but Okongwu is just as good a finisher at the rim, and more importantly, he's creative. He understands how to pass it out of the dunker spot, pass it out of the pick and roll, and I think that there's a lot more room in an offensive scheme with Onyeka Okongwu being the pairing at the five. Clint Capella, you can actually make a pretty solid trade for him. I think that there's a lot of teams that would be looking for a guy like him. So I think that there's a lot of room for this Hawks team to improve. And with the core, with like the solid foundational pieces that they already have in place, I think that if they make those decisions to improve, this team could go a lot further. I, I mean, not like maybe a lot further. I don't see them being like a top four team in the East, but I could see them being like top six team. I could see them being a automatic playoff entrant. Yeah, this is actually all Doc Rivers' fault. Because <laughs> they gave they the end of Philadelphia 76ers gave them that sliver of hope. Their ability to choke gave this team that sliver of hope that this team could be a championship team within the next two to three years, which is obviously not going to happen. I mean, it doesn't help that everybody else in the East made moves to become a lot better. I mean, the Hawks also yeah, did they, make they, a move. They, they did make that move, but it's just not enough to oh. contend with. Yeah, of course. Did. Yeah. And we're still, we still don't really know how it's going to work on the court, right? Like we're talking about two guys who mostly score in the pick and roll as like the primary ball handler. So I don't really know how it's going to work yet. They're going to probably stagger their minutes, which feels counterintuitive considering they got DeJounte to be the defensive player that makes up for Trey's defensive lapses. They're like opposites. I, I, I still like it though. Like you have an offensive dynamo and you have an all defense guy. But I, but like, they don't have any depth. They have two solid guys in Bogey and Okongwu. And then their next best guy of the bench is a rookie in AJ Griffin, who played one year in college. So it's not like he's a seasoned college player. So yeah. I, I don't like I don't like that they lost Herder. Yeah. Know, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. All right. We're going to take one more quick break and then we'll be back to... We'll go through the rest of the teams a little bit faster because they're significantly less interesting than all the top teams in the East. But yeah, see you on the other side. Okay, and we are back. All right, Mikey, you're up again. You ready, man? Yeah. All right, let's go. So I'm going to talk about the Chicago Bulls next. So it's already off to a rough start with Lonzo Ball's injury. We don't know when he's going to be back. And 
it's honestly concerning at this point, considering how much time he's missed last uh, the past couple of seasons. For this team, it's honestly sad because we saw what this team is capable of through the first half of last year. They held that number one spot for a pretty good stretch. Lonzo brings just what this team needs currently as constructed. He's their top defensive perimeter defensive player. And he and Caruso could also be, be the best defensive backcourt in the league. And offensively, you know, he, he brings the playmaking that guys like Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan aren't really able to bring. Sure, they're, they're averaging like four or five assists a game, but Lonzo's ability to set the table, set set these guys up, set Vucevic up, is a big loss to this team to start the year. They're going to have Ayo Dosun with a start for them with Lonzo out. He showed flashes last season, but he's not quite the playmaker that Lonzo is just yet. At this point, I think trading for Busevich was a huge error. Sure, there was de- they were pretty desperate at the time when they made the deal, but I think at this point, having Wendell Carter might be better. They also traded Daniel Gafford. They don't have any interior defense with Nikola Vucevic in that front court. Now with Lonzo out, they don't have formidable perimeter defense as well. They were 23rd in defensive rating last season, 22nd in posing points in the paint. So yeah, that that's just going to be the pretty much the season for them. You know, they have a lot of these offensive guns, but they just don't have anything defensively for that. And they, they didn't do much in the offseason either. They added Goran Dragic. What's he going to do? They added Andre, Andre Drummond, who's not going to shore up the defense. But at least, hey, he's shooting threes now. So, so yeah, I think the, the Bulls, I hate to say it, but they pretty much peaked last year. They were a quick flash in the pan. And I don't see them, you know, with the, with the way the East is stacked, I don't see them being much of a competitive team this year. Yeah, it's it's honestly sad to see that like you you have a team with Vucevic being number one seed for a quick for a stretch that's impressive by itself, and then you just lose guys to injury, you lose players to other teams. It's it sucks how both Wendell Carter and Dan Gafford look better than Vucevic on their respective teams now. And they also lost their lottery pick when they traded him away. I, I don't remember. Who who did the Magic draft with that pick? Wagner? Yeah, it was Franz. Yeah. Imagine having Franz Wagner on this team. Imagine having I mean, Lori Markkinen on this team, bro. Okay. <laughs> Relax. Aside from the move that they made for Lonzo, I guess, all their other trades have looked like L's. They traded Dan Gafford for Troy Brown Jr. And I mean, there were two other insignificant players also in the deal. Chandler Hutchinson and Mo Wagner, if you are... But yeah, I I don't know what the thinking was behind that trade. I guess because they have had to pay him and they thought Andre Drummond's a better choice, I guess. But I don't know. There's no there's no solving this team's crisis unless Lonzo miraculously recovers and Vucevic is traded for somebody who's actually good enough to play center on a contending team. Yeah. We'll trade for Clint Capella. Lonzo's right. important to this team. 
he's huge, man. They could honestly have such a solid defensive and playmaking. He covers both of those. Yeah, yeah like DeRozan's a, a a good playmaker, yeah. but he's not a great one. Okay, mm-hmm. see, this is how I see it. Demar is like his playmaking is something he learned over the years. Recently, it's an uh, acquired it. skill. Lonzo is a natural playmaker. Yeah, and he's one Demar, of the best at it. Demar's is not the guy. Demar is the guy. A guy who like seeks his own shot first before seeking to create. Exactly. Lonzo's the other way around. Yeah, pass first, score first, right? But yeah, you gotta give props to him for developing, you know, his playmaking too at the same time. Because honestly, he's not a bad one. All right, let's see. Aaron, you're up, bro. Okay, so I'm gonna talk about the Washington Wizards. So okay, I I had a tough time trying to write down the strengths for this team. So I'll start with this. This is a team that has a lot to prove. There, there's guys on the team who might be hungry entering the season because they've got guys like Kuzma and Kristaps who have a player option, but they they know that this is a make-or-break season for them considering they would want a bigger contract. They have guys like Rui Hachimura and Will Barton who are on their last, se- last year of the deal. So they also want bigger payday. So there are four guys at the top of your rotation who are eager to get a big payday so they they will be at their best hopefully for the wizards beal might be eager to prove that he's worth the massive extension that he got because there has been so much flack that the wizards have received for this so he probably wants to get that off his back as well and finally i think the wizards are tired of being a mid team they made the playoffs once in the last four years and that was an embarrassing first round exit this is a team that wants to prove themselves. Unfortunately, they're mid. Their best player is Bradley Beal. Not off to a good start here. Who, and he's just a, a glorified shot chucker. Their second best player is Porzingis, whom I like. He's talented, but he's also super injury prone. I, I don't trust having Kuzma as your third best player when it's Beal and KP in front of him. If if it was with the Lakers, it's LeBron and AD in front of him. So, that's excusable. But you can't have Kuzma as your third best player behind Beal and KP. Finally, I do like that they have some exciting young players like Danny Avdia, Rui Hachimura, like I mentioned, and Corey Kispert and Dan Gafford. But that's it. I, I don't see much positives on this team. So I guess their only storyline can be, can they beat the odds to at least finish in a plain spot? And can Bradley Beal step up as a leader and put up something more than just empty stats? This is a team that's honestly felt directionless for a while, uh, in my opinion. Like they've had, again, like Beal is a solid player. Don't get me wrong. I know I hate on him a lot, but he's solid. But they've never decided to make that trade for a real superstar, right? They've had tons of pieces that they could deal away, right? Like Hachimura, Avdia, Gafford, Kuzma, even KP. Like, these guys are all trade pieces. But instead, they've decided to just sign kind of bad guys to long-term contracts like that Bertans deal. They've never, they've never made the decision to go all in and actually try to win with whatever core they have. It seems like they're fine just middling out and not really doing anything past that. Moreover, they've never decided to just tank. 
This is a team that absolutely should just throw in the towel last year. The fact that they, it took them so long, even with Beal out, to just throw in the towel and just give up on the year. Like, there was that stretch at the start of the year where they were solid. Like, they were winning games, but I think everyone in the league and everyone in, that was watching basketball knew that it was just a flash in the pan. Like, this still wasn't a serious team. It took them so long to bottom out after that. Then you end up with the 10th pick in the draft, and you get Johnny Davis, who, by all counts, up to this point, has just been mid. Every single player on this team, mid. Like, they need to just either... Go all in for a freaking superstar to pair with Bradley Beal and see if you actually have something. You have him on a five-year contract. When are you going to start to make that move? You either do that or you say, screw it. Just bottom out. Just sit Beal for a freaking year. What does it matter at this point? Just lose everything. Get an actual good That's the thing. The fact, that they, once. the fact that they re-signed Beal to a max, like you, there's not much you can do. In terms, I think they're just loyal to each other. Like the obviously the Wizards and Beal, they're committed to each other. Committed to being well, mid? Yeah. Yes. That, that's actually that's actually the problem why they that's can't the biggest go problem. for the they the can't go for that superstar. Brad, yeah. The fact that they, they have can't. Bradley Beal locked up and he's not going anywhere. He doesn't want to go anywhere. How are they gonna tank? And they can't go for the superstar superstar trade because as you guys have been mentioning, this team has a lot of mid players. Like even their young guys are mid. So but what can they, they offer? But they still have all their picks, right? Like they still have young players. Like I'm sure Kispert would do well in a different situation. I am sure Denny Avdia and Rui Hachimura, this plethora of freaking wings would just do better in a better situation. But they don't do anything with them. They never make moves. And when they do make moves, they go and get Chris Saps Porzingis, who's always freaking injured. Like they they don't do anything serious. And until they do, like like why like why why do they have Will Barton? Why do they have Monte Morris? What do they plan to do with any of these guys? Like it's literally just a collection of random dudes who are solid players, but they're solid players on a completely boring team. There's nothing redeemable about this squad. Trade all of them. Every single one of these guys trade them all away for something else. It's what absurd else? to me. They could honestly get like whatever the Thunder have now in picks with all these guys. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen a team with less direction and less willingness to just say, screw it. I don't know. Tommy Shepard is a freaking coward, man. Okay, he's been there since 2003, so he's... Damn, they sucked that whole wow. time. All right, whatever. I'm done with this freaking Wizards team. Let's talk about the Pistons. <laughs> all right. Now, this is a team with upside, baby. You you heard it in the hot take episode. I think that this team, because of their upside, will be better than the Bulls. I think they will finish in a playing spot. Um, this is a team with just one of the most intriguing young cores in the league, right? I think that they're maybe second in young cores to the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're talking about a player who missed like 30 games last season and was still being considered for rookie of the year because he's that good. Right, Cade Cunningham is a freaking beast. This guy's offensive IQ is not something that you're supposed to see from a rookie. His shooting numbers, they're not great on paper, right? Until you really dig into them. In the first three quarters, they suck. But in the fourth quarter, this guy is cash. This is a player who has ice in his veins. He understands how to play for the clutch. I love 
Cade Cunningham, if you pair him with, I think, any other solid players, I think that this team will just find success. And what did they do this year? They went all in on the draft. They made the right moves in the draft. They traded away the right pieces. They fleeced New York again because it's so easy, right? And they got Jalen Duren. Okay. You know how good Jalen Duren would have been on the freaking New York Knicks? We'll talk about that later because, goddamn, the Knicks are so stupid. But they got Jalen Duren from the Knicks. I love Jalen Duren. This guy's a beast. This guy's, he can't be 18 years old. I, he can't be 19 years old. He's got the body of a freaking like 28 year old bodybuilder from Venice Beach. This guy's absolutely jacked. And he's going to be playing the five. He's going to be catching pick and roll lobs from fucking Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. Come on, man. Come on. This is a legit sleeper. And if these young players are actually able to fit into the scheme, however, installed by Dwayne Casey, I think this team could honestly be such a solid sleeper for a play-in spot this year. I also, I love Sadiq Bey. I think that he can be a really strong offensive spark plug when is needed. Like, this guy can just drop 50 a game randomly out of nowhere. Uh, guy's a monster. He's, he's so wet from deep. I love Sadiq Bey. Boyan Bogdanovich, I think, was just a really strong signal that they want to at least try this year. You know, like, they don't want to tank. I don't think that this team is part of the Wembanyama sweepstakes. I think this is a team that wants to contend. And that's why you make a trade for Boyan Bogdanovich. Killian Hayes, bro. Killian Hayes. <laughs> He's finally here. Oh, my God. You see his stat line against OKC last night? I did. Okay. 21 and 7. 8 of 13 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. He's shooting. He's finally shooting, and he only had one turnover. Marvin Bagley, only 3 to 4 weeks. I'm not concerned. Pistons are here, bro. This is my team. I really claiming Detroit now. <laughs> I love Detroit, man. I love the Pistons. Why don't you like Eminem, then? Mm. I'm not in the military, bro. That's a rapper for guys that are in the military. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, that's crazy. What the hell? Honestly, though, yeah, I think uh, the Pistons are are destined for success with what they've got right now. Once they get rid of Dwayne Casey, I think he can help them develop in this season, which doesn't really matter for them. That's fine. But I think next season onwards, Bring in James Borrego. Bring in a serious coach who can take the young talent to the next level. And I think there, there's so much talent there. I, I mean, Cade Cunningham, number one overall pick. I think everybody expected him to be a future star. But I think the development of Sadiq Bey is what is the most surprising part. He was 19th overall. It's not like he was a lottery pick that just turned out good because he was expected to be good. He was 19th. He was... uh, He dropped 50 last season. His efficiency did go down in his sophomore year. But again, that's because he was asked to do that much more. And obviously, it will take a hit because he's still young. He's still developing his game. But there is so much upside there. They got Jaden Ivey, who's who's we all questioned the fit alongside Cade at first but I think it just makes so much sense as long as he develops some more defensive game I think then that partnership will really complement each other 
but as of now i think i, I do hope I, i don't know if they will actually upset the bulls and go over them but i hope that it happens because they look like a team that wants to go on the rise that's you a serious know, team you know who else they got they do fort knox they got fort knox baby let's go let's go oh my goodness i'm i'm riding for detroit man i'm riding it's going to break out into a star i'm ready for it that's that's what's going to happen this year and that's what's going to launch the pistons into their success in the future it's a resurgence center it, for bums because they got fort knox and marvin bagley and killian hayes too yeah i refuse to sell any of my stock man i'm keeping all of it i'm staying bro i'm staying <laughs> they can't get me out of here man this is my team all right diego you're up with the knicks man oh hey you were just talking shit about the knicks so let me talk some more shit <laughs> This is literally another New York offseason in the books. <laughs> like it, it honestly man, the Knicks missed out yet again on possibly the likeliest star player they could have picked up in offseason in a long freaking time. Like there are so many rumors that Donovan Mitchell's homecoming to the Knicks was this close to happening, but nope, he's a cavalier as we all know now. Similar to the Hawks though, the Knicks came into last season with better than usual expectations, but then they fell flat. In the season prior to that, New York had the fourth best defense in the league, and they won their first playoff series in like over 20 seasons. Last season they didn't make it to the playoffs. What about this year? Like what are they going to do to turn around? For starters, they did pick up Jalen Brunson, I guess. But yeah, no disrespect to Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is a very good point guard. This guy was the legit second option on a on a Mavericks team that made it to the Western Conference Finals last season. He's no Donovan Mitchell, but nonetheless still a solid upgrade to the offense. Julius Randle though, who won most improved in 2021, just had a bad season and he needs to pick it back up. RJ Barrett, who has shown some improvement throughout his young career, needs to show a hell of a lot more. He needs to prove that he can be that star that the team was looking for when they first drafted him. Overall this might be a play-in team at best in my opinion. It definitely doesn't look like a playoff team unless like RJ finally has a breakout year or they pick up a great player in the middle in the middle of the season because they do have trade assets. The East has too many good teams and they don't really stack up well with any of them. It's hard to tell what direction this franchise is headed towards. but at least they do have some good players and enough to make some interesting trades but yeah again it's another kind of directionless franchise and it's new york man yeah i don't think there's been any off season that the knicks have failed to make entertaining i think every off season the knicks have something to highlight and they had the brunson the brunson deal and also the donovan mitchell trade to claim It's actually embarrassing that a team came out of nowhere and got someone that they were destined to get. The player was also begging for a move, even though he knew how mid the Knicks are, and they still couldn't get the deal done. And I think that's just embarrassing. It it also sucks that their best young player, RJ Barrett, his development has been slow. We all expected him to. be a 
a great young talent off the bat but he's just been average at a lot of things he's yet to find something that he's genuinely good at yeah he's mid at everything he's not great at anything they are not even going to be a playing team so they have all, they have all these picks though i don't know if it's actually going to amount to anything have it they have had a pretty bad track record of draft picks so yeah honestly i don't know there's no real future for this team looks like yeah this team is pretty much like the wizards in terms of you know they can't identify what they are like this is like they went after jalen brunson that's their big signing that just shows how desperate <laughs> this team is <laughs> Like you've got a guy who who averaged sixteen points last year, ha- had one had just had his breakout season. They're expecting him to be like the savior, bro. They had to break <laughs> rules to sign Jalen Brunson. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to collude to sign Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, what are we doing here? And then you signed him to a freaking hundred plus million dollar a year contract for a guy that's had one good year. Look, bro, I like Jalen Brunson. As much as the next guy, I think that he's a guard. I, I mean, I wish I wish he had a better three point stroke. I wish that his game wasn't entirely kind of predicated on you know the midi and getting to the basket. I wish he could just shoot better from three. But god damn, if that's your solution, I don't know what you think you're doing. RJ Barrett, do you guys think that this is a make or break year for him? I think so. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. This has to be the season that he proves he can be that star. Yeah. It's Otherwise, what the hell is RJ Barrett gonna do for the rest of his career? I mean, like even even if he has, even if he has a really really good season, I feel like he's going to have to carry that over into the next. Yeah, we saw it with Julius Randle too, right? He had that one promising season. You thought he was just gonna yeah. skyrocket, but and then and then he secured the bag, and then he stopped caring. Came back down to earth. Yeah, that in in that year that Julius Randle went off, so that's in the 2020-2021 season. RJ was shooting 40% from three. He went back down to 34% this past season. That can't happen, right? We saw RJ get hot again near the end of the year, but if you're going to be a slow starter every year, I think that that just entirely plays upon this idea that you're just inconsistent. And you can't have that as the third overall pick with the expectations that he had coming into the draft and, you know, over the past couple of years. It's also not a team that does well in the regular season where he can afford to start slow, right? They need a guy like him to fire right from the start of the season so the team can stay afloat, stay in a playoff position. And that's just not happening. So I don't know where this team is going. I, I don't think they're as directionless as the Wizards because I think the Knicks' main direction is to sell tickets and they are going to do that. I just hope for once that with the plethora of picks that they have now, they do something. Something. Yeah. Yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of players out there. It's always they're monitoring Shea Gilgis Alexander too. Yeah, it's honestly always been so crazy to me because New York is such a freaking huge market. And it's literally New York City. like, And they still haven't been a good team for so long. Well, you know, they had they had this guy at the end of last year and they didn't do anything. Yeah, they, had a, they drafted a guy wearing a Fortnite suit. Yeah, that's kind of their fault. Real superstar like Carmelo Anthony, like Jeremy Lin. Yeah, like come on, what are we doing, Jeremy Lin? Okay, all right, let's move on. Um, Mike, you're up next, man. 
Yeah, okay. So I have the Orlando Magic. Obviously, the main talking point is uh, Paolo Banquero, the number one overall pick. He had a rough start to the preseason, but he just looked a lot more comfortable as the preseason has gone along. He had 19 points versus Dallas, and he had 17 points and nine rebounds versus the Grizzlies. And honestly, the thing that stands out with Bancaro is just his confidence. Like, he just knows that he's capable of putting up a performance out there. And sometimes just that's just what you need from your franchise player. He's the anointed franchise player of this team. And if he's able to bring that confidence, you know, he's unfazed, that's that's honestly going to trickle down on this team. And this team has a lot, has a stockpile of young assets that pretty much sets them up for the future. We have Franz Wagner, who made all-rookie first team last year. And he's looking good in the preseason, too. They have Cole Anthony, who had a strong year for them last year, who was, I believe, was an early MIP candidate. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. improved a lot last year. He averaged 15 and 10. And Mo Bamba also had a breakout year. You know, he he developed a three-point shot. He's obviously one of the better young rim protectors out there. And you have some sort of unproven guys like Jalen Suggs, who had an underwhelming rookie year. Markel Fultz, who is currently injured at this point, but uh, we just hope that, you know, he gets his career on track. This Magic team is has the potential to be, you know, an exciting, bad lead pass team. Especially if they're gonna trot out a front court, front court of Bancaro, Mo Bamba, and Bol Bol over there. Yeah, that that's pretty much the outlook for Orlando this season. Yeah, they do have. Uh, even though they might be a tanking team, they do have fun players to watch. Like I'm excited to see how Paolo fares in the NBA. He didn't have the best start to preseason, but I think he's still holding his own now. I'm especially excited to see the jump that Franz Wagner is about to take. We saw flashes of that in Eurobasket with Germany where he looked like a three-level scorer in the making. And I just hope that the Magic allow him to continue to develop in that path and not just force Bankero to be their poster boy. And I'm... I'm happy to see how Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba have turned their careers around too because both of them have had slow starts to their career and they definitely look good now. I won't be surprised if they're able to trade either of them to a contender and just get picks, right? It feels like one of them has to go at this point. Yeah. Yeah, they'd have to choose one of them and I feel like to me, Carter might be the better prospect to keep than Bamba, just because of what Carter showed last year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think Mo Bamba is also a better role player, I feel. Uh, he can just slide into any team, block shots, hit threes, and just defend the paint. I think any contending team would love that. And 
just for me personally i'm hoping that jalen sugs has a better year i've been rooting for him since gonzaga it kind of sucked how his rookie season went with almost half of the season he spent on the sidelines so i hope he can have a strong start i mean he's he won't have a strong start because he's injured right now but i hope when he comes back he finds his feet yeah i hope he doesn't become the Killian Hayes of the 2021 draft class. Oh my god. Jalen Suggs was so hyped going into the draft last year. They were, they were, I believe they were projecting him to go fourth to the Raptors, right? He was, yes. He was supposed to go to the Thank, Raptors, man. Thankfully, and then thankfully. Orlando Magic fans were like cheering when, when the Raptors selected Scotty instead. Yeah, and then now they have the Killian Hayes of the 2021 draft. Hey, stop, stop, stop. He, he'll improve. <laughs> I hope so. Honestly, I hope so too. I think that he's like a great defensive player. He's he's so solid on both ends. Um, And like, yeah, like they honestly have like a really strong core, I think. It just depends on who they're going to be getting in next year's draft, really. In my opinion, like I don't, I don't see this team really being able to bottom out as some other teams will. I think the Boncaro is good enough to kind of just weld them to some wins. Uh, this guy's going to win Rookie of the Year if it's not Keegan Murray. But, yeah, no, I, I love Paolo in this offense. I was, like, kind of undecided at first as to how I feel about Paolo going number one over Jabari. I thought that Jabari would fill a more needed role for the Magic as, like, a defensive player. But I love Paolo. I think they needed a shot creator in the front court. And I think that the pairing with him and Franz... Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, if he actually wants to play basketball again, is going to be nasty. Um, so, no, I, I think that this is a really solid young core, man. You yeah. want to go up for this team. What team has a better wing rotation, like, in terms of young talent? I, I Yeah, not many. Yeah, there's not much to say on the Magic. Let's just do, let's do one more before this Zoom expires. Uh, Aaron, you up? Okay, there's not much to talk about this team anyway. We're talking about the Charlotte Hornets. The most directionless team in the league. We've mentioned this word a lot of times, talking about a few teams here, but I don't think anybody else embodies it like the Charlotte Hornets. They looked like they were going somewhere last year after Miles Bridges had a breakout year. They won 40 games for the first time in a few years. They looked like they were on the right track with the with the young guys developing, and then it just went out of the window. Miles Bridges turned out to be a garbage human. He's not going to play basketball anymore, hopefully. They had an exciting coach who was developing their talent. They thought they should get rid of him and bring back Steve Clifford, who was his predecessor, actually. And that made no sense because he's not the guy who's I don't I I can't put Steve Clifford as a guy who's going to develop young talent. And then their roster got worse too because they lost Miles Bridges like I mentioned they lost Montrez Harrell. They've had an awful start to preseason as well, 0 and 5, and the worst part about that is that their best player, LaMelo Ball, has been god awful. He's taken Okay, I've got the numbers here. He's averaged 14.5 points, 
16 shots he's shooting 31% from the field 22% from 3 i know it's just pre season but it's also so bad that you can't ignore it if he's going to be the saving grace for your team he cannot have a start like that and i think that's like there's absolutely no positives here for the hornets except for the fact that gordon hayward's back and healthy he's he's a decent player and the best outcome that can happen here is that the hornets become a selling team get rid of hayward get rid of terry rozier get whatever value they can and just restart once again because i don't see anything better that could happen here yeah i think that's the best case scenario for them like just blow it up this season you know have lamelo go off make him happy get you know just get him to chuck however many shots he wants that's obviously not going to win you games but hey it's a great year to lose a lot of games this year and it's honestly going to be an amazing pairing i think if they get victor wembanyama with lamelo ball you really want victor in in charlotte i'm good no thanks you really want him in this franchise no thank you i'm I'd rather i'd rather they just get rid of lamelo and blow it up no almost I, over I, utah though we've, okay. been, we've been we've been talking about or like we've been talking about this behind the scenes for a while um and i think a lot of people have kind of come to this question for a while who's going to be the uh in the in the player empowerment era who's going to be the first rookie to say i'm not resigning you know like i'm going to i'm going to forfeit that fifth year extension and i'm not going to resign with that would be ayton it kind of was ayton but then ayton got screwed over by the suns but now it it's it'd be mellow i think it genuinely could be mellow i think that yeah. that's the worst case scenario for this hornets team If Melo's gone, they are completely left. They're done. They're done. That is the worst team in the NBA. I don't care that Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier can't put up numbers. It's not enough. None of those guys are superstar caliber. Both of those guys should be traded to contenders uh, at the deadline. Unfortunately, Rozier does have years left on his contract, so it's not exactly something that teams want to take on. This team is messy. They haven't been good at developing young players either. We've seen them struggle at developing, especially centers. uh which is problematic if you really want to help LaMelo be in a good situation you want to have a good center to pair alongside him and we've seen them over the years be unable to develop Kai Jones, Vernon Carey, who knows if they're really going to develop Mark Williams it's not someone it's not an organization i trust to develop bigs so i don't know i just don't i don't trust this team whatsoever i think Aaron's right when he says that this is one of the most directionless teams in the league yeah nothing much to say this team is garbage they stink yeah <laughs> this is a bottom team man they they're going to be they're going to be really you couldn't bad. be worse if you tried bro yeah. this is insane yeah that's why you're getting wemby i'm telling you <laughs> i hope ah, i don't want to think about it okay uh when we come back we're going to talk about another team that could potentially get wemby and then we'll also go over our eastern conference standings see you in a bit one last team uh usually we say last but not least but this is definitely the team potentially with the least uh this team stinks but you know what 
I've got high hopes, weirdly enough. So the Indiana Pacers. This is a Tyrese Halliburton development year. Not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. It is a young team, but that doesn't really mean anything as of now. This is a team that does not want to win, um, but instead wants to see a guy like Tyrese Halliburton develop. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, I've honestly got really high hopes for this kid. He's supremely talented. I think that he's way ahead of schedule when it comes to being able to create shots for teammates. Um, I think that when he got traded to Indiana from Sacramento, a lot of people were kind of questioning Sacramento's decision and all of that. Like, oh, why they trade away someone they loved um, or someone that like Sacramento loved and loved Sacramento. But you know what? Like, it's fine. I think that maybe we're overhyping Halliburton just a little bit. Sabonis is still a talented player. Point being, I don't know why I'm talking about the Kings so much. Halliburton is great. Uh, he's a great fit. And I think that he's a great piece to move into a new generation of Pacers. But I think that this is genuinely, Mike was mentioning earlier when we were talking about Charlotte, um, the pairing with LaMelo and Wembenyama. I think that the Pacers actually offer Wembenyama the best situation for a young player to come into in terms of like when comparing all the other teams that are tanking. I think that the pairing with Halliburton would be absolutely unreal. Um, and add on to that, they've got other solid young players like Chris Duarte, like um, Benedict Matherin. They've got pieces in place to actually put a winning team forward in a couple years with Wembenyama there. They've also got a lot of Canadians on their squad. This is Team Canada right here. Uh, Chris Duarte, surprisingly, is from Canada, for those that didn't know. Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard, O'Shea Brissett. I kind of I like it. Um, but yeah, point being, I think that Matherin, Halliburton, and Wembenyama could be like a solid three-player core for years to come. And it is absolutely the right decision for Indiana to be tanking right now, which is something that they hadn't done in the past. In like the mid-2010s and late-2010s, this is a team that was consistently in the middle of the pack that would make the playoffs, but would automatically be a first-round exit because they didn't have enough other pieces to compete. So it's good to see that they're actually bottoming out now. And they're, you know what, they're doing it at the right time. So I'm interested in the Pacers, not this year, but I'm interested in them for years to come. Yeah, and you mentioned about this being a good development place for like a Halliburton-Wimbanyama pairing. And I feel like they have a good coach to do that. Mm -hmm. Rick Carl has proven that He's one of the best mentors out there. He's a championship coach. He was the one who first mentored Luka Doncic when he came into the league. So, yeah, I feel like this is this is going to be the perfect place for Wimbanyama to start off his career. Like, talking about the other young pieces, Benedict Matherin is my dark horse to win Rookie of the Year. In preseason, he's been going off, and it's not like he's just been hogging. He's in th in the three games that he played, he's averaging 20 on 52%. It's also because Tyrese Halliburton is taking a backseat, but I guess he's okay to do that when you have when he has a guy like Matherin who's confident and also all and also <laughs> that good that he can already take the reins of a tanking team in terms of scoring at least. And I won't be surprised if he wins rookie of the year. He's honestly such a good, like, strong athletic player. Um, in his time at Arizona, we kind of saw him, yeah, like, hog the ball a lot. Like, that was his offensive team. He wasn't really too great in shot creation, but 
right now he's getting put into a situation where in as compared to Arizona there is shot creation and playmaking from his teammates from Halliburton especially and like I said Halliburton is way ahead of the curve in terms of how he sees the game how he reads it on the offensive end so putting Matherin alongside someone like that I think is going to be great I'm honestly excited for this team in years to come I think it could be one of the best offensive squads is there is there really much else to say about the Pacers? Honestly, like, it's this team's gonna suck, but <laughs> well, they're sucking yeah, for a good reason. One thing is they probably just should get rid of Buddy Hield and Miles Turner while they can, before their value further goes down. I'm glad to see Jalen Smith developing, and I think he's gonna be an exciting prospect for them going ahead. Yeah, and this is the team that's gonna buy out Russ midway through the season. <laughs> Not another Russ mention. Okay, oh, if the Lakers do give up two first round picks, it's going to be embarrassing because they are not worth that. Yeah. I, I hope they don't. Rather, sit out Russ. Okay, but we, we, that's a separate conversation. Yeah, okay. All right. Before we, before we talk too much about Russell Westbrook here, um let's uh let's close out the episode just going over our eastern conference standings so uh anyone want to go first go over there 15 through one okay at 15 i'm going with the indiana pacers we just discussed how dog this team is <laughs> at 14 i think the charlotte hornets are going to be a little better than the pacers just because they have like more veterans on that team that's gonna play. Then thirteen, we got the Magic. Twelve, we got the confusing Washington Wizards. <laughs> Eleven, we got a similarly confused New York Knicks. <laughs> At ten, we got Kai's team, the Detroit Pistons. Who I could see actually knocking off the number nine team on my list, the Chicago Bulls. At number eight, we got the Atlanta Hawks. Seven, the Miami Heat, which I predicted would be a play-in team. Number six would be the Toronto Raptors. I put the Cleveland Cavaliers above them at number five. And I have the Brooklyn Nets getting home court advantage. I could see those two teams going in the series much like they did in the play-in tournament. Then the Bucks, since I mentioned that they're, they're not really going to go hard in the regular season, I could see them getting that number three spot. Celtics at number two. And I believe the Sixers, with all their talent, are going to be the best team in the East in yes, the regular sir. season. Yes, sir. All right, Diego, you're up, man. Okay. So I have the Hornets at the bottom. Hornets and the Pacers. So 15 Hornets, 14 Pacers, pretty standard. They're absolute dog, as Mike said. The New York Knicks at 13. Orlando at 12. The Wizards, 11. The Pistons at 10. Pistons are a playing team. Yo, I got everyone hyped on the Pistons, eh? Pistons are a playing team. So, so that's Pistons, my doing. 
the Bulls are ninth. The Hawks are eighth. The Heat are seven. I have the Raptors getting the sixth seed. Cavaliers fifth. Nets fourth. And then for the top three teams, it's going to be the Bucks third, the Sixers second, and the Celtics at the top. I like this. It's a, it's a lot more varied than our Western Conference one. Okay. Uh, I was about. I'm I'm going to disagree with that because mine's almost identical. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I'll shut up, man. Okay. So mine's. I, I start with the Pacers at fifteen. They're the they're the team that clearly wants to tank. I believe they'll achieve that. I think the Hornets still have a few pieces that might get them enough wins to overtake the Pacers. I think the Wizards finish 13th because I, I'm hoping that is halfway through the season they realize they're going nowhere and they start to be okay with the lot- being a lottery team. At 12, I've got the Magic, who I think have got young exciting players who are eager to do well and I think they might just overshadow the Wizards. At 11, I've got the Knicks. There's not much to say about that. I've got the Pistons at 10 and potentially they might just take up that 9th spot. Okay, if if Lonzo Ball returns late, I think the Pistons can grab that 9th spot and the Bulls will then go to 10. So, okay, before I confidently said that the Hawks, there are eight teams better. I was wrong. There's seven teams better. So, the Hawks are number eight for me. The Raptors are seven for me because I still feel that the Heat have Jimmy Butler. They still have Adebayo. And that is enough for them to finish one spot ahead. So, I have the Heat at six. Cavs at five. I think there's potential for them to jump into that top four depending on how serious the Nets are. The Nets, uh, they are four for me. The Bucks I've put at three. I was considering Bucks at four because we know that the Bucks don't want to go hard in the regular season. But also, the team below them are the Nets who are also a team that's still trying to figure it out, I feel, at least in the regular season. So, I think the Bucks can still finish third. I, I still feel... That the Sixers will finish second and the Celtics will go number one because the last couple of seasons have shown us that the Celtics are built for regular season especially and they have the depth to finish number one in the in the East. Amen. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. I'll go over mine now. So, yeah. Bottom bottom teams essentially the same. I've got Pacers fifteen, Hornets fourteen. Um. After that, at thirteen, I've got the Magic. I just think that. This is still a developmental year, and they've been injury-prone in the past, so I'd honestly see them probably being injury-prone again, if not for the purpose of actually being injured, but for the purpose of tanking and getting someone else. I'd, I'd love I'd love Scoot Henderson there. After that, number 12, I've got the Washington Wizards. Again, I just don't believe in them at all, and in a more crowded East, I think they're going to get shellacked. The New York Knicks I've got at 11. I think that they're going to want to try here. This isn't a team that I think wants to bottom out. So they're going to be putting their best foot forward. However, that best foot is still broken and awful. And it's like a club foot. I don't know. Uh, Next at 10, I've got the Chicago Bulls. That's right. As I said, I will stick to my hot take. I know it was a hot take, but (laughs) I firmly believe it in my heart. Bulls are not that good. 
this team is, especially without Lonzo Ball, this team is completely overrated. I think that Zach Levine has hit his ceiling. I think the Zach Levine, we've seen what he is and what he can be, and it's not enough to take a team far. However, on the other hand, I've got the Detroit Pistons at number nine, who I think can do have a player in Cade Cunningham who can take a team a little bit further. I'm a big Pistons guy. I This is my dark horse this year. I'd love to see them in a playoff series. I think that they'd be awesome. It'd be good for their development. Eight, I've got the Hawks. Seven, I've got the Heat. I just don't think that this is a team that's going to find a lot of success in the regular season this year, especially with their concerns in the front court. There just isn't enough depth. And when you look at Jimmy Butler, considering he only plays, what, 59, 58 games a year, it kind of concerns me that they just don't have anyone to really back him up with the three, or in this case, the four, to really like pick up those minutes. I think that they're going to lose a lot of games if Jimmy Butler isn't playing, uh, they just don't have the offense or the depth to supplant it. At six, I've got the Raptors. I just don't think that they're there yet. And this is a team that randomly just drops regular season games. So I don't see them doing too well in a loaded East. The Nets, I've got at number five. I just think that they'll find a way. Cavaliers, I've got four. This is a team on the rise and I have really high hopes for them. And then Celtics three, I just don't think that I obviously I, I touched on the coaching um at the at the top of this episode, but I think that in the regular season those issues are going to show themselves a little bit more. Um, so it'll take a little bit of an adjustment period for the Celtics, but they'll still finish top three. Bucks number two, and then 76ers number one. I just think the 76ers are great. I'm ready for Tyrese Maxey to take the offensive load this regular season, and now that they have a legit backup big in Trez and B-Ball Paul, uh, I I think I think that they'll be able to supplant Joel Embiid and his impact a little bit more and pick up those regular season wins even without Joel. Yep, that's it. That's all I got. Any uh any commentary or are we good for this episode? <laughs> I, mean, I don't I like hope I don't all like... our faith in the Pistons actually shows off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy I sold everyone on it, man. Yeah. I'm happy I'm that convincing. That's pretty nice. That's a not better than Bulls though. That's a validating feeling. Bulls stink, bro. All right, it's too bad. It's too bad. Okay. All right. So that is all we've got for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good episode. Yeah, it was fun. All right, and obviously next week we will we will be finishing up our pre regular season predictions. So we'll be doing the award races. We'll be talking about who we think. Is going to are going to be the representatives in the NBA Finals, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Anyways, for Diego San Agustin, Aaron Matthew, and Mike Cruz, this is Kai Gamage. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Positionless Pod. Peace.